Spirit Switchboard, airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 New Orleans. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spirit Switchboard. I am your host, Carrie Lynn Shellhorn, and you are listening to us live on the United Public Radio Network and the UFO Paranormal Radio Network 105.3 and 107.7. Today's guest is the tarot diva, Sasha Graham. So Sasha Graham is a world-renowned tarot expert, best-selling author, award-winning tarot deck creator, actor and educator who teaches and lectures all around the globe. You know, when I was writing your your little bio, I and for the description today, I wrote all around magical being because that's because <laughs> that's just how it feels. I it love just, that. Thank you. I will take that title yeah. any day, anytime. Right? So th- I'm so glad. Thank you for coming for coming on the show. There's lots of reasons. Personal and professional reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you today. So I'm, I'm really excited to have this opportunity to chat with you. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. And uh, yeah, this is my favorite stuff to talk about. Well, you know what? Um, there's two, there's two decks, two um, tarot card decks or, or oral card, Oracle card decks, which I want to talk to you about in a, in a second. Hi, Kathy. Thank you for being here. Um, I bought my daughter. I think I bought my daughter. She is 20. She's 25 now. So I think she was maybe nine. When I bought her, she was definitely under 10. (laughs) When I bought her Brian Froud's fairy Oracle. So Mm -hmm. we both have that, that copy. And uh, that copy of of um, Brian Froud's Fairy Oracle deck is has always been quite magical for us. It moves. It, it the images move when we sit with them. The only other deck that has done that for me that so these two decks, Fairy Oracle deck and the Darkwood Tarot, are the only two that I don't let other people touch. <laughs> I'm okay. I use I use all kinds of other decks and. And I'm very attracted to um, imagery and, you know, touch. If I touch it, it's usually coming home with me. Mm-hmm. So those two decks are very personal to me. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't let people touch those, those two. Well, that, that makes me, I'm so happy. I'm so, so happy that uh, that deck speaks, to, that the dark wood speaks to you uh, in that way, because I, it, I, I mean, it, it was an incredibly intentional deck, you know? Yes. Well, I can feel that. And I, as, um, so I have always been able to connect with people on the other side. So mm-hmm. I have worked um, doing that, teaching and sessions and public events for just over 16 years now. And I have always um, advocated that, um, 
when choosing someone to go to, when choosing someone to go to, and you're asking for a referral, whether it's tarot or a medium, um, really being mindful of the intention, like what is the intention that you chose that person? Because their intention may not be the same as your intention. Mm -hmm. And what is the intention of the person that's, that's providing the service? And I feel like if you're doing your own healing work, you have more clarity and confidence with your intuitive voice. The, the, the quality of the message is going to be deeper and more meaningful. So doing your healing work is so important. So when I was, you know, reading your book, right, the, the attachment, which I brought so that those people who are watching live can take a peek. So, yeah. yes, right at the very beginning, you talk about it. And, and you had that phrase near the beginning about the love and light. And when I hear that, I, I always call it stink eye tight, but I get this like, oh, like, oh, like we're only loving lighters. And I go, oh, you don't dig deep. <laughs> and I know that sounds so judgy, but I really feel, you know, if you say that you only work in the light, you're missing a piece. I, I think you're missing, I, in my opinion, and, it, and it's not to be judgy, it's, it's, you're missing pretty much most of everything because because the nature of the universe is darkness, right? When we look out into the night sky, which is literally, I mean, the only reason, you know, I, I think I, I make it clear in, in the Darkwood Tarot book, um, and I certainly do in my classes, like the reason that we're attracted to light is because we're, most humans are awake when the sun comes up, right? That we happen to, to exist on a planet, right? Which circles the sun, which gives us life. But the nature of the universe is darkness. And the nature of regeneration is darkness. Um, everything springs from darkness, from silence. And, and when, you sit to, when you sit with that in presence of that, um, you find that it's full of everything. It's the, the building blocks of our life in the material world. So we just love and light. Like I understand, I understand that that's something that people intrinsically do in the same way that when like we go to pray or we're looking for inspiration, you know, we naturally look up that all yeah. people I think do that. Yeah. And it's natural for us to be kind of afraid of dark things, you know, like, like death and decomposition. Um, because biologically, that was something that we wanted to, needed to avoid in order to survive. But we're beyond that now. So yeah. and really, at the same time, though, when we're sick, it's go to bed and have a sleep and you'll feel better when you wake up. It's a restful period. It's it's going within. It's a it's a healing opportunity. <laughs> It is a nurturing place. It's a nurturing space. And, and this is why in most religions, you know, when you're looking at monastic culture, places that are simple and peaceful and silent and dark, do you know? And, and it's in the darkness also that you can kind of find yourself and the way that you relate to everything in, in your life. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, as I grow, as I've grown older, I find like I used to when I like, I'm sure so many of us, when I was in my teens and 20s, I was like a midnight baby, right? Like it was like, I was up till all hours of the night and I would feel super creative, you know, around midnight, 1am, 2am, I didn't want to go to bed. Yeah. Now, now, you know, I'm halfway through my life. I go to bed early, but I wake up that that beautiful darkness and that clarity and that inspiration and that nurturing space, I now find that 
within the hour before the sun rises. Exactly. And I love that you say like, I don't know if I'm half, I'm, I'm 52. So I don't think that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to be a hundred. So, but maybe potentially I do have family, like my grandma's sisters live to a hundred. I don't know if I want to. So I'm saying I'm past my halfway point. (laughs) My granddaughter calls me queenie. So it keeps me feeling like I'm kind of young. It feels fun and it feels less. Um, Yeah. I love that's a great grandma name, Queenie. Right? That's, it's I just I might super... snag that. I'm going to snag it. I think, I think you should. <laughs> I just going to do, I just, we have some people saying hi to us. So there's um, Roger uh, from, is saying hello from Kentucky. Julie, my friend Julie Dow. Hi, Julie. Thanks for joining us. Neil Carr is chiming in from Portland, Oregon. And Neil's just making a comment that we can. Maybe you'd like to to look at as well, too. Practically speaking, all darkness is the absence of light. Without light, there's no such thing. I, I find even in sessions when people, um, you know, if people are asking, I don't get, I truly don't. I think that, you know, at the very beginning when you start doing this work, um, you, it, you, it shifts, you know, maybe what your intention in being of service, what that looks like to you shifts and changes as you immerse yourself in that. So I don't really get very many people asking me when I'm going to have a partner, or when am I going to? And I think because I've grown that reputation for retorting back, let's look at why you don't. And where back here did that block start and how is your team of peeps trying to help you move forward, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I find like the um, Darkwood Tarot is, you know, it really pushes you individually to look at those, you know, aspects of yourself that, um, you know, creep up. Like, why do I always do that? Why do I always react that way? And this gives you an opportunity to dig in. Because yeah, yeah. the cards won't let you lie. No, no. And I and I love when I see reviews or comments, people being like, oh, that Darkwood Tarot, like it always tells me the truth or it always kind of kicks mm-hmm. me in the, you know, in the booty when I when I need it. Um, yeah. and, I, and, and one of the big reasons that I created the deck to begin with was and and because and I'm as guilty of this as anyone is that I think people, people that use tarot on the regular, you know, people who use it daily for a contemplative practice, or um, if they read for themselves every day, pull cards every day, uh, I think we all have a habit of kind of seeing what we want to see and justifying ourselves in our readings. And I would see it taking place, like when I would go to um, my tarot conferences. And, and I just, I feel at our core, if any of us who use tarot kind of reflect back on on our first deck like why we put, why we bought a tarot deck and started reading to begin with it was really about searching into the unknown right and that's the the role of of, of intuitive psychics and tarot readers are are to be in the darkness to see what either other people can't see for themselves or when we're reading cards for ourselves 
to see what we can't see for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So while I understand, and I do it all the time, I'll justify myself, you know, reading, okay, here comes a new cycle. I'm a spiritual creature on a spiritual journey. Yes, we all are. But if you don't move into a tarot reading and discover something new, then I don't think that it's really that useful. And, 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 the same in, in tarot reading, I think, is the same in magic, is the first thing is you have to take responsibility for yourself, which is why when you speak about your own practice, um, you're teaching your clients to look after their own, like, to, to take have accountability. Yes. Because without yeah. that, nothing's going to change, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And when we're... And, uh, what I have felt very drawn to about you um, is um, the word magic and making tarot and magic um, that it that it's a it's a flow that's happening throughout every day. Every thought, word, deed, and action, we're in constant co-creation with the universe. So everything that we do is is magical. And so, how are you? you know, manifesting from that place, right? And you really um, encourage that, teach that and make it, you normalize it, I guess is the way that I want to to phrase that. You normalize that. And I appreciate that about you. Yeah. And, you know, it's so, it's so, it's so, it's such a powerful place to be in. And, Mm -hmm. and I always hearken back to Again, when we read tarot for ourselves, you know, we're our own, we are our own wise witch. We are our own, like, like I always say, like, when you know yourself, you'll know more than the best psychic in the world could ever tell you. And, you know, a card a day practice is so powerful when you're using, I mean, tarot really has the ability to change the course of your life, just, you know, three minutes a day. Right. And, and. And I like to think of it as like a gateway drug. You know, you don't, tarot is like such a gateway to all of the metaphysical arts. I feel like it contains all of it um, in this concise pack of 78 cards. And so like, it's usually the first step, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's the first step of of, uh, a magical journey for tends to be. Yeah. Yeah. That and putting rocks in their pockets. Those two things seems to be astrology. Yeah, <laughs> seems to be the first few things. And can you um, can you talk about how um, how powerful we can we can manifest? I I I watched an interview with you. Just to, you know, I think it was prep, right? A little mm-hmm. bit of prep before today too. Um, and it it was magical listening to you talk about being able to travel and how you manifested that journey. Could you yeah. share that story with us? Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I it's, thank you for asking. It's, this is, I love talking about this because it's a great example of 
how to create magic in your life, no matter what your goal is. Exactly. And somebody had was just had called me up and was asking me for a bit of career advice. And she was like, well, how is it that you've traveled so much? And I'm like, oh, I cast a spell. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think too, like you're demystifying certain words, like demystifying what spell is, demystifying the word witch. Like yes. people have a preconceived idea, but really a spell is intention and imagination. Exactly, exactly. And we all get to be in control of what that looks like. So um, for me, one of my favorite things to do is to like partake on it in a, on a daily basis. So anyway, I was in the, I was for the traveling thing. I was in this space where I really wanted to like travel and I really wanted to go to the ends of the earth, you know, and it just hadn't been in the cards for me up until that point. We didn't have the budget for it. I had a, a fair, you know, my daughter was probably like 11 or 12 and it just didn't see, I was like, I, I'm not sure how this would happen in my life, but I really want it. And so I thought, well, I understand that the first bit of whether you're casting a proper quote unquote spell or whether you're just working on manifesting something, the first thing that you do is move into that space with your whole body, your whole heart, and your whole imagination as if it's already in front of you. Mm -hmm. And it's a really simple thing to do. So what I decided was that, okay, I really want to travel. So for 15 minutes a day, I am going to be in the space of a, in the mindset that I'm traveling. So I live in New York City and I also live in the mountains. So when I was in the city for 15 minutes a day, usually when I was like maybe walking to the store or walking to pick up my daughter from school, I would walk on alter like different routes than I normally take and, and have that kind of wide-eyed like, oh, you know, like you are when you're in a foreign city and everything's magical and you look at it um, differently. I would walk like that. Um, I would, I would look at other, it's easy to find tourists in New York. So it's, it was easy in the city to pretend that I, or to, to be in the traveler's mindset. And then when I was up here in the country, I was able to really use the sacred geometry and the repetition of the earth just in my backyard. Um, so I would look into like mud, mud puddles and I could see the rivulets and it looked like I was flying over um, rivers, or I was looking at snowdrifts, um, you know, piled up and it looked like the sands of the Serengeti, you know, um, I could look at a willow tree and think that that also like looks, um, like rivers. And so, so I would do uh, that combination of kind of city country traveling. And the most important part I think ab about the spell work is letting go of how it's going to happen, mm. how it's going to turn up. Um, so I didn't try and figure out this is where the travel is going to come from. I just trusted that it would arrive. And and it wasn't that, it was maybe within a year of doing that. And it's fun, by the way, right, to live in that mm. space every day. I had a, it was a great time and I discovered so many things in my own backyard. Um, but my foreign publishers, so my books are sold, you know, um, to, to foreign publishers, they started ringing me up and asking me, Sasha, would you be interested in coming to China to teach? Sasha, would you come to the Middle East? I would love to have you for this tarot conference. Um, and it was just incredible. And like, 
one of the places I had always wanted to go was the Himalayas. And so the place in China that I wound up going to a couple of times was the gateway city um, to Tibet. So I wound up in the span of 30 days in one year, I was at uh, Mount Everest base camp. I went as far as base camp. So the high, the, the, the crown chakra of the earth. And then less than four weeks later, I was at the Dead Sea in Israel at the root chakra, the lowest place on earth. So magic works. You And the way it winds up happening for you, that's like the big, wonderful surprise of divinity or creativity or whatever you want to call it. That's like the icing on the cake. I get, I have goosebumps from head to toe. Like I just, it's such a great example of it. And that really is the hardest part for people is the letting go of how it's going to unfold. And it, it's very hard to encourage people um, to lean in and imagine what it would feel like if this was already your experience. Imagine you're already in that experience and what would that feel like? And then when you feel like you're going off kilter, like it's never going to happen, leaning back into what is it, what's that going to, and just keep coming back to it until, because it's a practice. And I think people forget that it's a practice and a practice is exactly that, right? Like, yes. And it's pleasurable because, and, and, and I think that everyone needs to also remember too, whatever it is that you're searching for or yearning for, you felt it to some degree at some point in your life. Yeah. So whether you're looking for love or like your dream house or, um, the, the family, I don't know, whatever it is that you're searching for, you can find something somewhere that you've already experienced that feels like that. Um, and then move into the, and it doesn't have to be 15 minutes a day. It can be five minutes a day. So, you know, what does that look like? What does it feel like? And then what can you do to embody that? So I love to say when, when people want to find love, the, like, when you're hot, you're hot, right? So begin every day as if you've got, you're going to see the love of your life that night for dinner. Like think about how you move through a day when you're madly in love with someone and the world is dripping and magic and you get up and you take a shower and you get ready and put on like your creams and your makeup and like you're so like on fire, right? If you can engage that part of yourself for even five minutes a day when you're getting ready and then just trust, right? And just stay in that mm -hmm. space, they're going to show up so quickly, do you know? And the trick is just to not doubt yourself and to just let, like I align it with the tower card, which is letting go of the expectation, let go of how it's going to look, who's going to show up, and wow. expecting the most benevolent outcome, just expecting it could be even yummier than what you've yes. imagined. And it always is. It, always, it really it always is. Always. <laughs> and that is yeah. the universe letting yeah. you know that not only did you choose well, but that, that this, that, that, that it works. And it's, it's such, it, it's funny because as a magical practitioner, in a sense, it is so simple and it is so easy. And, and even I sometimes will get in my own way and don't realize I have these incredible tools at my disposal. Um, yeah. But it's mind blowing. I have so many examples of it. I'm sure you do too. So yeah. yeah. That's the journey of it. Like it, it's epic individual journeys, even though we're like 
part of that collective consciousness of one, but understanding if we are, when we're in that place of manifesting, it's coming from that highest vibration within us that can ripple out. And it's um, sometimes a rude awakening for people when they have to acknowledge that when they are in those places that don't necessarily feel all good to them, Mm -hmm. how they project that out can also create their own block and more of that can return to them. So it's that's true. And I, and I think a bitter, that bitter pill for some people. Yeah, it can be, it can be a bitter pill because you, I don't think that you can responsibly cast magic that really works for you if you don't take um, degrees mm-hmm. of responsibility for yourself. And I, and I think yeah. that that's also why ages are, ages are friend. Do you know yeah. when it comes to magic? And I think that there's certain magic and sorcery that, you know, people should not do or attempt until they're over 40 years old because I, I couldn't, I, I, I didn't have the discipline and the ability to let go and get out of my own way in my 20s the way I do now. Do you know? And it's seeing the, um, having gratitude and, and being thankful for those, you know, those blocks. And, and I was, I was just talking about this actually in the last couple of days, like, Thank you for giving me the opportunity to practice healthy boundaries. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to walk away from something that doesn't serve my highest good. And when you practice that, you start to have gratitude for even those irritations, but those irritations become less. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then your manifesting powers just go whoa, through the roof, right? It's so it's- true. And it's and it's so it's so, it's a funny thing because people so often when there's they they come up against, you know, and all of us do when we come up against a roadblock, oh, you know, this is just what is this is a terrible situation. No, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to pivot and to learn and to actually break out of your pattern, you know, and that's I, you know, hearkening back to the tarot. Um, reading tarot on the regular helps you see the patterns of your life. And, and while sacred geometry and the nature of the universe works, repetition works when something, when something works well, like nature will just repeat it, but we're not here. I don't think as repetitive creatures, I think that like, I always define magic as when your authentic self comes into alignment with the expanding energy of the universe, right? So you're evolving, you're unfolding. That's what you're here to do. Not, I mean, in in a repetitive place. So, so you want to be breaking those patterns. We want to be moving further and farther because, you know, we're the dream that all of our ancestors had, you know, that's, that's us right now in this moment. So that, uh, that unfolding, um, was that part of uh, the inspiration for Witch's Garden? Because it just feels like it went full circle, right? Yes. It, though I have to admit, I don't have that one yet. Yes, is okay. part of that conversation. <laughs> no, it's a very, it's a different deck. It's a very different, I mean, the yeah. entire style from the watercolor um, sort of cottage. The imagery is very different. Yeah, yeah. So when I was finished with, the Darkwood Tarot, I thought, okay, what's next? I I love gardening. And to be honest with you, the the Darkwood, uh, even the beginning, the story in the in the guidebook of the Shadow Witch and her grove of trees, I'll be honest with you, I don't think I've ever told anyone this. Um, but it is a grove of trees, like quite literally out behind a stone house that we have, mm. a stone ice house. And then just below, and then 
there's that's where she enters the dark wood. Um, but below that is my garden. Mm. I was turning to look at it. <laughs> and I thought, what what would the the shadow witch do once she leaves the woods, once she's inter- in, in, in a, integrated parts of herself, once she's learned what she's been there to learn? How would she mature and grow up? And I thought, of course, she would be of service to other witches. She would take a once fallow farmland that was kind of abandoned and bring it back to life and then um, kind of create this magical space for other magical beings who need respite or um, a rest or a place to kind of reset. Um, and and she would make a magical garden. So yeah, so that was the impetus for Tarot of, Tarot of the Witch's Garden, kind of like the shadow witch from the dark wood all grown up. Yeah, it's... Um... And just even the, the the symbology of it and uh, the story to it, it, it just fills you up, right? It's mm-hmm. it's sort of that, okay, we, we've, we've dumped and we've shone a light and now we've grounded within ourselves and now we're blooming from this. And how can you bloom too? You know, yeah. if, I, if I share and reach out to you, how are you going to bloom? And, and, that and was- to work in back to what you were saying before, in a way, the Darkwood Tarot is kind of like, the sleeping, the psyche, the dream, and the witch's garden is the daylight. So today, today has been, today was just a weird day for me. And it went weird right from the beginning of the day. And all day I had, there was a plumber showed up during a session and I had to leave my clients hanging in the limbo while I was like letting this plumber in and there was all kinds of stuff. And all day I kept telling myself, I just need to stop and take a deep breath. It's unfolding exactly how it's supposed to. And we're just going to go with the flow. So I'm like, okay, Sasha's coming on today. Sasha's coming on today. Let's just pull three cards and see how this is going to unfold. And you want to see what kicked me in the rear? In the rear? Yes. <laughs> because it was like weird you know you get frustrated and you come back to center and you move forward and you get frustrated and come back to center and you move forward and it just felt like that was happening all day so I just pulled three cards really quick so the first card that I pulled (laughs) oh my gosh I'm laughing at myself even so it was the king of wands Ooh, love that right do you want to share a little bit about that? So if people are not aware of what the King of Wands actually represents. Yeah. So the King of Wands is the masculine, mature expression of fire. So what that means is, the so when we're looking at fire and wands, that is career, spirituality, desire, passion, all of the stuff that wakes you up and gets you going in the morning. And the king is that very contained ability to hold on. I mean, it's a, the king, he's the king of fire. He's an extraordinarily powerful container of all of that combustion, right? For lack of a better word. So, but but the whole thing with the King of Wands is the ability to kind of parse it out um, and contain it. So it's not the the power, the fire, the combustion is 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 not powering him. He's using it to his advantage. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you kept bringing it back, you like you know, it, you it, there was the 
there was the the opportunity to let it all go out of control, but the King of Wands will never do that, right? The no. King of Wands will always kind of be the ruler of that element. So you kept bringing it back, but there was a, obviously a lot going on for you. Yeah, it was kind of all over. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, we had um, uh, that a little bit of, of uh, social media kerfuffle and, mm -hmm. and I had emailed you a few times. And, and then I, I was thinking like when I was emailing, I was holding my breath and oh my gosh, that is going to feel like frenzied energy when she opens those up. And then it was like, we're just going to clear, cancel and delete and bring that all back in. <laughs> And bringing that all back in. So the funny part was when I was pulling the these cards, the next card that came. Honestly, I've been laughing at myself all day. Um, the Wheel of Fortune. Ooh, love that too. All right, I'm gonna go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my, my favorite way, I think my favorite um, <laughs> takeaway nugget for the Wheel of Fortune is that when life feels like it's spinning out of control, like the wheel, the only um, the only stasis on the wheel of fortune card is that center point. And yeah. so it's, you know, the big lesson of the wheel of fortune is no matter what's going on in your life, keep your eye on this, like to stay still, keep your eye on the center. That's right. And, and stay grounded. So the, the last card, the last card I pulled was temperance. Oh, beautiful. And right. So, and this <laughs> card, my, my favorite way to talk about that card is that it's really the ability with her, she's, it's, she's a figure who holds two cups and she's fusing the energy of these two cups while floating above a pond. And it's really, for me, about complexity, the ability to hold two opposite things, mm -hmm. you know, without saying one's better or worse than the other, right? It's that idea of, of, of just being able to like, make more space for all of the things or all of the That's opinions right. or people that are in your life. So, and that we are light and dark and we have to embrace those dark sides of, of, of who we are. And it's, it's okay to be frustrated and we pull it back and anger is okay to feel and it can move us forward and all of, all of those things. Right. And, and, I, and I will add that the funny thing is the wheel of fortune. So when I was getting your emails today, I was on the road all day today. <laughs> and so I was like, when I was pulled over, I would, I was like responding to you. And, and I think that, very much that the the king of wands issue i think man can i speak candidly about about um scammers on instagram oh yeah so, <laughs> we do. i mean it's a, it's a it's a thing and i think i try i i try to not feed into it too much with people as well right i mean yeah. we have to warn people that that it's a thing yeah. um and it's but it's it's a not really give them our power away but it, yeah, it feels violating for sure. And it's in a very emotional topic. And, and for anybody mm -hmm. listening who doesn't know what we're talking about, it's it's on Instagram, and on social media in general, there's tons of bots and imposters, people who will take tarot card readers, psychics, even yoga, my yoga teacher in India, there's fake accounts out there. Amy Syrian, true crime and makeup on Mondays on YouTube. Her stuff, she, the scammers for her too. Like it's it's a lot of us. It's a lot and it's it's a terrible position when they're imitating your account because people will find your real account and say, oh, I gave all of this money to this person for a reading who I mm -hmm. thought was you. And in my, I mean, I've had like 
business people, like, like professional contacts, like lawyers and producers who didn't, who fell for it and were like, and it's embarrassing. It feels somehow as if we're personally responsible, even though we're not. So it's a very emotional subject. And rightly so, I think for all of us who get our identities stolen online. And I'm the same way about the fake tarot decks, the, um, the bootleg tarot decks. It, It gets me so emotional, but then I'm like, no, I, to your point, how can I, f- I feel the feeling, but then not lash out or go crazy when it's, when it's happening. Yeah. And, um, and I kind of poke fun of it at the same time, to be honest, I know that's probably not good, <laughs> but I, 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 a little bit, <laughs> I start calling you my beloved. There is something wrong there. <laughs> there is something wrong with me. I am, I am ill. If I, if I start saying your ancestors have a, a very important message and you need to reach out. Cause I just never talk that way. I am much, I'm much saltier. Like, you know, we can't be salty on here, you know, <laughs> but when I'm not here and people are seeing me live, definitely the words are a little more colorful and, and tend to be a little saltier. But the um, lesson that that even taught me, because I would be like, how could you think that was a message from me? I would never speak like that. I know. <laughs> it's a reminder really of how much people are really paying attention to the way that we speak. Well, but I feel too though. Um, uh, uh, and I've, I've said this often that people reach out to people like us, um, even, even church when they need hope. Yes. So when they're needing hope and they're needing someone to hold their hand, even if it's energetically mm-hmm. and helping them, you know, ground and breathing through an experience with them. So grief gets in the way, um, overthinking and grief for many reasons, grief of an end of a relationship, job, uh, whatever the grief source is from. But I mean, they reach out to us. So it, we do, because we're empathetic, feel mm-hmm. horrible that they've had yet another lesson go through, yes. you know, in being, in being scammed. And I mean, we can only do so much uh, to educate people to be uh, discerning. Yeah. And then, and again, to not that, you know, uh, it, the information is out there, especially now at more than ever with AI and not knowing you have to know who you're talking to online. You have to know who you're ordering products from, uh, yeah. who's supporting, you know, in, 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 in every, not just in psychic and intuitive places, but just across the board as good kind of, um, uh, technical hygiene, I guess, so that you're not taken advantage of in any way. Um, maybe let's, let's, let's bring it, let's shift, let's, let's shift and, um, talk about creativity um, and imagination and how much that, like how important is having a creative, creative outlet, um, to our intuition, to reading tarot, to understanding your own personal, developing your personal intuitive language. Yeah. So how important the, that, that a person's create, activating that creative part. Well, and that's when the, when I remember when I realized just how crafty witchcraft was like the first time I went into like a candle carving making class, I was like, Oh, like, it, it, like witchcraft in and of itself, whatever kind of witchcraft you practice, um, 
and and even tarot reading too, not just mm-hmm. skills. It's inherently crafty. I mean, we're all creative beings. And there was one time and you know, in our history where we would really like build our own houses, grow our own food, make our own clothes, most people, right? And and so there's something incredible, I think, that make Christmas presents. We yeah. made our gifts for people for their birthdays. We Yes. And so what is it that you're doing when you're creating something? You're manifesting. You're taking right. something that didn't exist until mm-hmm. you made it and you're bringing that into existence. That's a magical act. Writing on a piece of paper, taking the invisible thoughts out of your head and writing them down on a piece of paper, that is a magical act. You've brought something into the material world that did not exist in a physical yeah. way until you've done that. Cooking. Cooking, <gasps> right? My my oldest son, he's 30. He's 30 now. But when he was a teenager, he said that he was going to, um, he wanted to have a deli shop. Like he wanted to, to become a butcher and have a deli shop. And he said, because when I make sandwiches for people, I make them with so much love, people can feel them. So it's just going to taste different from somebody else's. <laughs> right and and so now I have a kiddo that's moving into culinary arts and he's saying the same thing like he needs to be in the right frame of mind when he's when he's doing this because he understands his thought process and his energy is going to affect the way that he outputs and and what that's going to taste and feel like so I mean however you want to to look at it you don't have to accept uh, the term magical or witchy, but just look at what you're creating or call yourself a manifester if you need to, but it's Mm -hmm. all the same thing. It's all the same thing. And that includes things that people might normally, some people hear the word creativity and they go, Oh, that's not me. I'm not creative. I know. I know. And, and no, everything that you do in your life is a creative act, whether or not you're or a bookkeeper or a pastry chef, right? And and I think and again, there's so much. First, there's so, being a creative act checks off so many magical boxes because when you're in the moment of creation, you're in the moment first of all. So you're in a state of flow, and then and then you keep adding more. Like when you when you talk about cooking, and everyone's different, but like. It, be, it, it like the creativity of cooking begins with wandering through like a farmer's market or the grocery store mm-hmm. when you're finding your ingredients, seeing like speaking to the food. Like I've, I will ask, I am known to ask an egg, like, how do you want me to make you? Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you want to be made? Like what is kind of sparkling at you, getting your attention? Um, what is your intention? How much pleasure can you bring to the people that you're cooking for? Um, there's so many aspects and the, and the same holds true for all creative acts. You know, it's just up to us to move deeper into um, of how we're applying ourselves into what we're doing. And the same is true for magical practice too. Like one of my favorite things to do is, you know, I used to just only practice magic spells like on my kitchen table with my cards and my candles. But in the wintertime now, I go out 
and I will do it across an entire field. I will draw symbols, you know, Mm -hmm. across an entire acre that somebody could see in an airplane flying overhead. It's a powerful thing to do. If you're near a beach, you can write in the sand, you know, there's just no end to it. You're, it's endless and it's so fun. It is fun. And, and it's, it's super individual and that's, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, what people need to understand as well, too. When I, when I've taught about, um, sigils, uh, there was a lot of, you could feel people kind of holding the breath because it felt outside of their comfort zone. And I said, this is just, if you looked at it as another way of presenting an I am statement. So if you wanted just an I am, you know, affirmation, take your affirmation and now we're going to create a symbol with it and you can draw it on chalk on your walls before you repaint. (laughs) And it is going to hold that intention in that space. It's really showing people that it how it 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 just marries and blends with maybe the um new perspectives that they're learning new it it doesn't have to be too far outside of the box but you know the the sigils are super fun (laughs) creating your own sigil is super fun it's so fun. It's so powerful. It's unique to you. Like it's your own, you know, there's no two that that look alike. And I think it's important for people to to let go of the fear of doing it wrong. I would, that was actually one of the questions that I wrote down for you is how you could, um, like, what words do you have to, you know, inspire people just to jump in, whether it's tarot or magic to yeah. and, surrender and- into it to surrender into it. So, so the first thing to really remember is that fear shuts everything down, no matter what you're doing, a spell or a tarot reading, like, cause people get very nervous in the beginning to, to, when they're reading cards, what if I read it wrong? What if I get it wrong? What if I don't understand what I'm looking at, or I don't know what it means and I get the card wrong. And I, to your point um, about taking a breath, you pretend you're just imagine that you're telling a, a picture story to like a child at bedtime, right? Just just say what you see on the cards. Tell the story of what you see on the cards and trust the person listening will get the information that they need because they always do. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're doing, and, and because, because in all magical arts and the art of life, you're, anytime you do make a mistake, that's going to help you, right? That's going to help you. You're going to never make that mistake again. You're not and, and so when people say like, oh, well, what happens if I think I had a, a psychic hit and it didn't and it wasn't and it didn't come true or it wasn't truly psychic? I'm like, great. You'll know if you when you feel that way again, that it, that's not how you work intuitively. So, yeah. So and in- it's finding out what your intuitive language is and it happens over repetition. Like for my for my daughter, her intuition um, cause she was having that issue, right? Like I, I, I'm leaning in, this is what I'm receiving. This is the choice I made. And it went to hell on the handbasket repeatedly. She had a, a pretty wretched year that way. Mm-hmm. And she's, so she was losing confidence with her intuitive voice. So we did this little intuitive, you know, practice and, and we were leaning into it and, and she made the discovery that her intuitive voice is louder when it's uh, don't go this way 
it's, and it's, it's correct and, and accurate. So for her to understand her intuitive voice is guiding her away from something that doesn't necessarily feel in alignment for her and where she is at that in this moment. And that is good intuition too. Yes. Yes. And she would never have no, like, that's not something you can find in a book. No. And that's one of the first things I say to students too. I'm like, throw out your books. I know I write them, throw them out. (laughs) Because how we are built and how we move through the world is as unique as your kiss. When you wrote those, it was through your lens of experiences. And how we interpret will be through our lens of experience. Exactly. No mm-hmm. two people are alike. So I, that's why I, I don't love, you know, the catch words that people use. I mean, I think that even words like psychic and intuition are incredibly loaded. There's so much yeah. nuance inside, inside of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you've got to be willing to kind of throw yourself safely, um, kind of not throw yourself, maybe thrust yourself into spaces yeah where you can start to test those things out. And what's exciting is, yeah, it, it's no, no one else can teach you. Like you have to figure that out for yourself. But once you do, mm-hmm. once you discover kind of what your secret superpowers are or your, your superpowers are, yeah. like your daughter understanding, you know, that particular facility in her intuition, it, you will be able to work with that for the rest of your life to your benefit. Mm-hmm. And the benefit and- of others. Yeah. And it, and, and it is magical. And I mean, using tarot can be those uh, guide points uh, through the way and, or validating you at the the same time. Right. Like it's, it's, it's coming back to that and, and being um, comfortable in creating that daily practice of, Mm -hmm. of, even pulling a card and, and seeing where that goes. I'm, I'm all about holding. I, well, I encourage people, like we have our inside ear, outside ear, inside eye, outside eye. We, and if you've not explored all the ways that your intuition speaks to you, you have to play with all of it to figure it out. You know, hold, Mm -hmm. hold the cards with your eyes open, eyes closed against your chest, you know, Mm -hmm. up to your heart, feel them. And how you do it may work is going to work best for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the great thing about tarot specifically is that it's, it doesn't take a lot of time. Like I said, like three to five minutes a day, right? Pull a card in the morning, ask a, a question. What? You make it very accessible though, because tarot can feel very overwhelming for people trying to understand you know, the, the aspects to it. And I, for, I avoided it truthfully. I avoided tarot for a very long time Mm -hmm. because I got in my Chihuahua brain thinking that I wasn't honoring the history to it. If I wasn't doing it this way. Right. And, and I understand that. And that, and that makes a lot of sense. However, and this is why I wrote my first book, actually, Tarot Diva, because I was in that same position. I was like 12 years old when I got my first tarot deck. And I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I was so excited. I was going to put up a gypsy fortune telling tent at like a school benefit and, and read the cards for money. And it was all going to go to the school. But when I opened up my cards, I just didn't know what I was looking at. I was hard. I was like, oh, I don't I don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And luckily, a, a born again Christian actually wound up burning the card, so I had an excuse <laughs> not, not to use them at the at the at the uh, the carnival. But I didn't once I once I understood and was working with tarot. I didn't want anyone to feel like they didn't that was excited about learning to read. I didn't want anybody to feel as if they couldn't like pull a card and intuitively know what it what it means and. I love what you say about the tradition and the history and, and everything that has come before inside of tarot. But the number one most important thing is anybody's ability to sit with the cards and be excited to work with them on a daily basis. So starting in a space that's comfortable and cozy, yeah. that brings it back to what do you see? What do you feel? <gasps> And it's just that they're just the, they, they're, it's just such a tarot relationship is just extraordinary, you know? Yeah. But I, I feel you're energetically holding hands with people and saying, it's okay, take a deep breath. Let's, let's jump. Like you're, you know, whether you are aware of that or not, you're, you're giving people that permission to jump. And mm -hmm. I, I met this, this beautiful um, medium you know, at the very beginning, I was doing a lot of um, expos and fairs and stuff like that. And, and which were great. I mean, I don't do them now. But at the time, it gave me confidence, I could hook in fast, you know, I, it, it gives you some, some that practice. And I was watching her and she was giving readings by having people put their hand print in sand, they would move. Ooh their hand around in the sand and then make the handprint and she would turn it and give them readings. Ooh. And I watched her and then I went over and I said, would you tell me how you do that? And she said, you already know how. And I went, no, I don't. And she said, yes, you do. She said, the information is coming from here and you have that connection. She said, watch, let you give me a reading. And she stuck her hand in. <laughs> She's like, now read me. <laughs> And that's how I felt um, when I got the Darkwood Tarot at the same time. Like, um, it felt super easy to move into. It wasn't intimidating. And it and it flowed and clicked really quickly. And I wasn't so caught up with the what I thought was a, a rigid practice. And I think, too, like, you hear... Um, you know, whether people want to look at that or not, the, the, the love and light community is not always love and light. It can be quite clicky and uh, divisive and, um, you know, Creating hearing jealous and yeah, all kinds of things that you wouldn't expect in a magical community. No, it's, it's not all link arms and kumbaya for sure. But um, yeah, I think it was a really good, moment of growth for me to really move past any of, of those, um, the self-talk that had built up mm -hmm. from having those experiences in, in that community. And, and uh, yeah, you've done a great job with that. Thank you. Well, I'm, and I also, I thank you for, 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 I, I, I also had, I mean, I can remember, just talking with someone the other night about this. Oh, I I host this event called Ghost Stories by the I Club. want you to talk about that because I think it's brilliant. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun. And so it's a live ghost storytelling event that I do in Brooklyn. And I just did it this past Tuesday. And one of the stories was um, 
uh, was about a magical shop called The Magical Child that existed in New York in the 80s. It's gone now. And I would go into The Magical Child and it was like one of those, you couldn't, it was so archetypally like the city male witchcraft tarot reading neon sign. You'd walk in, it was this like long, um, store filled to the to the rafters with like jars and spices and athames and wands but the energy there was very much closed off that like you if you weren't part of the club do you know it was very standoffish you couldn't ask a question really um, and i remember and there was a few other stores like that in new york at the time and i thought and the people had such attitudes that worked there. And I thought, this is kind of as snotty as I, as Catholicism, you know, because I was thrown into Catholicism for a couple <laughs> of years in high school due to a, my mom married a Catholic. And I was yeah. like, and I was as rigid thinking It's as rigid thinking. Yeah. And you, you and I understand that that people want experts and that people want things to be an ex explained to them. And so that is why there becomes like the hierarchy, hierarchy, hierarchy in, in religion and in um, Wicca and in different, in different groups, but we're talking about magic. Which yeah. is, we're always learning. We should be learning every day. Which if you realize that everything in, in around you is magical and that we're all beings of magic, like what, like it's so counterintuitive to keep anybody out of that. So that's another, yeah. So that that's part of, I, I don't ever, I don't want people to ever feel like outsiders. Do you know? I don't think people should feel bad or ashamed if they're honestly curious about learning something that has the potential to transform their life and the lives of others. And at the end of the day, it's just good fun because tarot reading is fun. You know, um, Ouija boards are fun. Like it's all, this is fun. That's such a hot topic. Is it? Oh, Ouija boards are a hot topic. Really? Mm. I love them, but it's it, the amount of people that are scared of them. Yeah. Is is incredible. And, and when I question them, I said, well, you know, using a tarot deck, using a pendulum, uh, tapping in with your intuition, all of those are tools in opening a door to yeah. the other side. So it doesn't matter what one you're using, it's your intention that matters, how you are approaching it, using your divine team. If it's an app on your phone, even it's yeah. your, you're opening a door to the something other bigger. And, and that's something bigger, that other side is always right there with us, regardless of what devices we're using. So if you're in a dark, negative, grindy point in your life and you can't break out of it, you're summoning energy, like it or not. Like you don't need the Ouija board to bring yeah. in darkness. You know, it's the same thing. Like, you know, I still have yet to meet someone like when we're talking about like moving into the invisible world. I've never been hurt by an entity that exists. I've only ever been hurt by like real life human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, people. So I was scratched scared. once though. Were you? I, I, and, and it, and it was my learning lesson because I went into, to, it was actually my son's bedroom at the time. There was some issues going on. Definitely this spirit that was attached to him that was on the negative side. And I went in with ego and not, 
of service. So you, you mm -hmm. will get kicked in the rump when you're approaching it from an ego space. And it was a huge learning curve for me because I went in just me. I didn't call in, you know, my divine team, my answers. I didn't call in to be of service. And I went in and I heard a growl. I got scratched at. I came out. I called my friend who said I was supposed to be doing this work of service for people. And I told her she was freaking crazy. There was no way I'm stepping into doing this. Like if I'm going to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and she said, did you call in your team? And I went, oh, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I went back in and I did what I needed to do properly. And I have never, you know, almost 17 years later, have ever had an experience that way. And, and I think that I, that I really took that to heart in teaching people your intention matters and here's how you do it correctly so that there isn't this issue. Exactly. People are going to play. No matter what, people are going to play because they're curious. So mm -hmm. teach them right. And, and take responsibility. Know what your boundaries are. Know how to, you know, like, have your safeguards, have your team. I love how you call that. You're, that's great. Your team. Um, yeah. And, and, that's, and that, is, that is having, you know, good spiritual hygiene, I suppose. Well, yes. You know, and yeah. your spiritual hygiene is just as important as your physical hygiene. Mm -hmm. Like, remembering mm -hmm. how important that is, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm really sorry that... You know, it just says Facebook user from, for us right here. But, um, you know, we have a listener saying, I actually bought a rock today with the word magic carved into it. Love it. Super. That's awesome. That, sound like, that sounds like something I would hold to ground myself. I loved using rocks to ground myself for magical, right. magical things. And Contessa is asking, does calling in your team help? Oh, do you want to answer that? Or do you want me to? Or shall we both? I think that you can first. So the way the way I look at your team is when you're when when I'm doing any kind of work that I would call um, like between worlds work. In other words, if I'm going to be journeying somewhere, if I'm requesting something, um, and also, to be honest with you, if I had a period for many years where I had a lot of between world nighttime experiences that I wasn't asking for, I would just wake up and be in them. So your team is a spirit guide, right? It's not our spirit animal um, that you go out of your way to find out who that is and make that relationship so that there's someone that you can call on should you need help. So you're not journeying alone or a companion that you just take with you every time you move into those spaces. Um, it's also great fun. It's a reciprocal relationship. You know, your team, um, their friend, it, all everything that counts in the real world, right? With friendships and relationships counts in the invisible world. Um, I would also include ancestors, spirit guides, and they're there. So you're not there alone. Yeah. And it's there. It brings them joy to help us be of service. Like they're there to support us. So we have to give them that permission to, to intervene. We have to ask them for that because we have free will. So mm -hmm. if we, if we don't ask, we're not going to receive it. So Mm -hmm. you know, um, making sure that we initiate that. And can I actually, I just started, and this was actually inspired by Maya Angelou. Um, mm -hmm. I just started working with my team in a different, in a really fun, different way that I wanted to share. I happen to be 
Um, oh, I was actually in New Orleans and I was doing a lot of events where I didn't know, like it was my first time down there. I was down there at Hexfest. Oh, I think I saw, I saw some of your posts about that. <laughs> were fun. And, and so I went down on my own and I didn't know anyone at that festival um, before I got there. And so there were like parties and, and, and events that I was going into just by myself because I didn't bring a partner with me, my husband uh, or a friend. And, and I had just seen Maya Angelou Alou had said, you know, whenever you walk into a place, um, never walk in alone. Always bring, always bring like your people with you. Bring like, and so I was like, oh, this is a great way for me to not feel uncomfortable because I'm here by myself and don't know anyone. And so I went and found, I asked who, like, who wants to come to New Orleans with me, right? And so I had, you know, my, um, one of my spirit guide ancestor, my godfather actually, and he was with me the whole time. And it was amazing the difference. I didn't feel weird ever when I was by myself, you know. And when we're doing that in-between work, if there's something that makes us uncomfortable, they're there when we say, I need you to pull that back. They're there to help pull whatever is there and to intervene for us. Yeah. Um, Contessa is asking how we can find out who our guides are. I personally feel they're with us in subtle ways all the time. It's leaning into it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, when I needed, to, when I, I needed to find very specifically some, someone who could go into the in-between worlds with me when I was having those nighttime um, experiences, I actually just found, I, I respond well to guided meditation very well. So I randomly found a guided meditation to connect with a, a spirit, an animal guide on YouTube. And so I did that guided meditation and I found out exactly who my, um, my animal guide was. I now can, you can, so I feel like guided meditations are the best way to find out who your guides are. Yeah. Um, but you, you can also, but that's more messengers who, when, when animals show up in front of you. So yeah. Do you, how do you find your guides other than guided meditation? For me? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm definitely a feeler. I'm a, I'm a feeler person. Mm -hmm. So what I've, um, so I know meditation for sure is one and, you know, and I do those meditations uh, with people to help pull that guide in. But I also have taught people if you sit quietly for a two week period before you even get out of bed list those things that you're grateful for so it's pulling you into that higher place um, put your hand over your heart and ask what does your spirit need today and then just trust what you see here feel and, and move through it and if it's nothing then trust it will unfold throughout the day and over a two-week period by the time you're done asking, the answer comes before you're done asking the question. So you're learning what your intuitive voice sounds like and feels like for you. Mm -hmm. And then from there, play with it. Can my guardian angel pull up close so I can connect my space, my energy with theirs and theirs to mine? And mm -hmm. you start to feel, and then I just play with it random. I pulled a deck of... Um, Archangel and Ascended Master cards, you know, books that had different, um, you know, people in them that were Ascended Masters. And I'm like, okay, can this one pull up close and connect? And I just started feeling them out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when my team started coming, I would just ask and it, it's a flow. It was just a flow. So you have to be open to feeling 
them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to be honest, I don't know what all their names are. And I don't really, I just assume that I have guides for everything. Okay. I'm about to try doing plumbing in the bathroom. I need my guides that have some plumbing <laughs> mojo to step in please and you know I taught my kids when they were going out the door thank your joy guides for the gifts that you're going to get before you know you leave for school and then at the end of the day I had to ask them what did your joy guides bring you today you know I just assume oh, because yeah because it teaches them you know to look for the little things that they're receiving and having a day full of gratitude right so I just um yeah the guides shift and change based on where I'm at emotionally and my experiences. And I ask them to pull up so I can lean in and feel what they feel like. So I know who they are when they're working with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's and great. It just takes practice. Mm-hmm. It does take practice. And then, and I am a big believer in um, giving, giving back to the guides. So mm-hmm. if, um, if you do a guided meditation or see an intuitive diviner and tells you like, um, you know, a bunny is your, is your spirit guide, um, then, you know, make sure to leave offerings of carrots, you know, from time to time out for the bunny. That yeah. is a nice thing the to do. Thanks and gratitudes go, go along. It does for us. We know that we thrive when we're feeling valued and appreciated. Dude, I love that you keep talking about gratitude because gratitude is the biggest magic. I have a gratitude practice with my sister every morning when I wake up and she wakes up, she's in California. So she's three hours behind me, but we each send an email first thing to each other when we're sitting with our coffee and tea and just saying, this is what I'm grateful for today. And I I started, I started being grateful in advance for things that I wanted to bring in. And oh my God, since, I mean, I get to share a very... (laughs) Yeah, please do. I'm just going to step in just really quickly. And then I want to hear this story. So if you are just, if you are just tapping in uh, and listening with us uh, right now, thank you so much. You've been listening to Spirit Switchboard. I am your host, uh, Carrie Lynn Shellhorn, and you are listening to us live from the United Public Radio Network and the UFO Paranormal Radio Network 105.3 and 107.7. Thanks for being here. So I I just cut you off a wee bit. You're going to talk about your gratitude manifesting magic. Yeah. So gratitude is such a powerful space. And I think that when you're in that place of gratitude and you're articulating that you're thankful for something that you want as if it has already happened, again, that is being in the space of having that thing. So anyway, long story short, you know, back when my daughter was in middle school, I started including, you know, near the end of every gratitude email, I am so grateful that um, that she is in the absolute perfect college for herself, unfolding into exactly who she is, and that the entire thing is paid for by someone else and not <laughs> us. So that last part's brilliant. <laughs> right? So this is what... So she's just going into her junior year. I just saw her today. I went and took her to lunch. Um, And she got in to a dream school in the Hudson River Valley and got a completely full ride. Oh, that's brilliant. And like. So I have a question about that. That was like you were putting out your intention 
So did she know that you were putting that intention? So she added her intention into that as well, as well too. So she didn't know, she didn't know. And that's why I said, I am grateful that she's unfolding into who she is because that's not me putting anything on top of her or any expectation. Okay. I mean, I guess, actually, I did say college. So that was an expectation mm -hmm. now that I think about it. But I don't think that she she never didn't want to go to college. So I don't yeah. you know, I was overstepping a boundary. Um, and I, I made it a point that it was the place, it was the college of her dreams. Yeah. And not... I'm so grateful my daughter's going to Yale and is like going into medicine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that open well, our words do matter. And, and like, you know, which, which, which sounds like we are um, contradicting ourselves to a degree, but we, but we, we aren't um, the intention that you're giving it in the words um, and, and being mindful of it that way. Yeah. It's the, it's the boundary. It's the structure that you're giving it. Words really, really do matter. And yeah. And it's really important if you're casting for, or intending for someone else, mm -hmm. um, not to make decisions for them, right. To, to have it completely open for them. Yeah. So we're just going to follow up. Um, they're asking, so those feelings help you identify who they are yeah. for, for me. Yes. But I, I'm a, I'm a feeler person. So I usually feel first and then I see and hear. So that's how it works for me, but it may work differently for you as well. Did you want to speak to that too, Sasha? Oh, um, how you identify who your team oh, is, who they are, who they are. Mm. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I will, I guess feeling, I mean, our entire body is always tasting the world, right? Mm -hmm. in, in so many different ways. Yeah. Well, I'm always pretty certain they will appear to me in a way that makes sense. So I knew when I went to find my spirit animal, I knew what that looked like. Um, when it showed up, I knew exactly what it was. I consciously work with people, my aunt, like grandparents and people yeah. that I that I knew when they were alive and I continue my relationship with them. Um, yeah. now that and I think that is so important at the beginning. Sorry that I, I stepped over yeah. you there. Like my grandma, when I started doing this work publicly, it was always my grandma that came in first because she was my comfort zone. And I think um, for us, uh, when we breathe and relax into it, it's so important. So those people that we're comfortable with put us in that right place to do what we're about to do, right? Yeah. So, so that does matter. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've had a couple of experiences with, with clients and for myself, like um, when Archangel Michael came into me, the, like came to me uh, when I was working the first time, he wow. looked like that Californian you know, blonde, like a surfer. Yeah. With the sword and stuff. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> like this isn't what I expected. <laughs> that may not work for me. So <laughs> can you, can you switch it up just a wee bit? And then he, he did. And he always has like, you know, cause in the end they don't really, that part doesn't really matter to them, you know? And, and I had a friend who had a spirit animal show up, but it was, uh, very had a very Egyptian feel and she was like very scared of it. And I'm like, they're wanting to work with you. So let them know that mm -hmm. image makes you hold your breath and, and it, 
ask them to change for you in a way that will be comfortable and that you can receive them. And that guy changed for her. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we have, again, being honest and transparent and, and giving, um, of ourselves. And it's, um, yeah, we're creating sacred, vulnerable space, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, for ourselves and others, and we need to be comfortable to work from it. So being okay to say, Hey, that's not working for me. Can we switch it up just a wee bit? (laughs) And, and even, and to follow up on that. And this is a great way to find out if somebody is really kind of going out of their way or something is going out of their way to become, to, to have a relationship with you. Yeah. Um, if something doesn't is popping out for you and it doesn't make sense, if it's not something that you expected, that's the best way to know that there's a spirit guide working for you or a message coming through for yourself. If it doesn't make sense. And I've had, I've had very visceral experience. And I would be like, why am I feeling that or seeing yeah. that doesn't make sense? That's how you know it's really happening, right? Yeah. Because it's it's something that couldn't really possibly be coming from your own psyche in that in that space. I don't know. Yeah, and then it's like, oh. <laughs> you know, it's just it, it, then you realize that it's just magic that's happening. It feels magical, and yeah. and it's exciting and keeps you moving forward. Right. It is really I, exciting. I had a client say to me that they, they had gone to a reader and they told them that they had like eight, they had a guardian angel and eight angels and so many guides and they had them all numbered. And I was really, I had to bite my tongue and because I said, maybe you did that day that day in that moment yeah. very well you could have had that but be open to that's going to shift and change yes and it's yes. always fluid it's so super fluid it's so so super fluid and um yeah i there's it's so funny that i'm happy to hear you say that i used to have i wouldn't even i don't even when I can't really recognize something, but I know that they're there, I, I will let it be, whatever. I used to, mm-hmm. for years and years in my yoga practice in Shavasana, I would have, they were, they were like this little team of, um, they would come and do like healing medical stuff on me when I was in Shavasana. They would, I could oh. feel them like fixing things. And I would be like, oh my God, that's so weird and so wild. And I haven't felt them now in maybe two or three years. And a medium friend of mine, Heather Carlucci, just, she said, Sasha, you don't need them anymore. Mm-mm. They've gone off to someone else. And I miss them so much, but. And, and sometimes it's, um, they're stepping back to give us a growth space because somebody or they, them, have more to offer us so they move out of the way so something else moves up right yeah it's um and even for our loved ones in spirit but it's it it's it's um it's empowering and exciting and inspiring when you lean into how magical you can be yes and then and that even when we feel the most cut off and isolated we're never truly alone. And, and, you know, you don't have to necessarily lean on spirit guides for that. You can lean on nature, you know, you can sit and sit with a tree. I mean, 
everything is alive, everything is energy, and everything is speaking to us all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're walking past a, a flower garden and you smell a beautiful, you know, a beautiful flower. It's trying to get your attention. It's trying to say, hey, look at me. And I think that that's part of the reason that that psychic readings, tarot card readings are so important because it people feel seen in them. But I think what, and we all want it, like how, how seen, how completely seen do any of us feel on an, any given day? But I, I feel like the trick is everything in the universe wants to be seen. Our spirit guides, the energy, the, the flowers, the trees, animals, they, they're all vying for our attention, right? Because our attention is our magic wand, do you know? So as much as we feel like we want to be seen, so does the rest of the world. And so does, you know, divinity, the creative principle, whatever you want to call it, even that wants to be seen. And it's, it's my hunch that that guiding kind of intelligence of the universe doesn't know necessarily what's coming next. And so when you're in magical dance with that thing, um, vis-a-vis a spell or intention or creativity, what winds up manifesting from that, it's as much of a surprise to the universe as it is to you. Do you know? And it's really partnership. There is no knowing. There's only kind of what happens. So it we can feel alone, but we're not. We're not alone. And that's what inspires you for your next projects or writing is just being and and allowing what's coming to you to move you into that next space. Because am I, am I, is that correct? A hundred percent. And the way, and the way we think of a spirit guide, right? You can think of that way within like with any book project or any tarot project. Um, and I think this is true for a lot of artists, even the quote unquote non-spiritual ones. The, there's an intelligence that wants to, to come through, right? So when I'm thinking of a book, when I have a really great idea for a book, um, I, I, I know that it's already finished. It just needs to come through me. And, and so, and Elizabeth Gilbert speaks to this at length in her book. She's so brilliant. Oh, she's so wonderful. And she's very transparent with her growth and, and awareness and giving people permission for the same. Yes. And she'll say, you know, and she has, she cited examples where she had these great, this great idea for a specific project, but she didn't do it. And then it went to someone else. And this person that she later met wrote like the book that, you know what I mean? So, so creative ideas have their own unique intelligence as well. And so when I'm in a highly creative space, like I will, I will literally, I know when I'm done with the manuscript to something, I can feel that point. There's a lot of back and forths when you're writing a book, whatever, but I know when it's done and like, like, the next project literally comes and it starts itself in my brain. And I know what my next thing will be. And then is there a grieving period when you're done a project? There is a grieving period when it actually gets released and put out into the world. Mm. Because at that point I have absolutely no control. So I get really excited. Like when the box gets delivered and I open up and I have my, you know, it's like a big box of tarot decks or books, but then I almost have to turn away from it. I can't look at reviews. I can't look at sales. I can't even consider how it is being consumed by the people that purchase it and work with it. 
um, because I am so close to it that it would break my heart, you know, mm. if people discarded or whatever. So thank you for asking that question. Yeah, there's a big mourning period. And there's also, once it's out in the world, I also feel like it's not really my own anymore. Yeah, because everyone's going to interpret it through their lens. So there is um, a surrendering to that. And, and I mean, we certainly see that with, with creatives, right? Art, mu musicians, songwriters, in particular songwriters too, right? Their intention and putting it out and how it's, people interpret it. Yeah, yeah. It's hard and letting go. It's, it's brave though. It's very brave. Like people who put themselves out there, it's such a brave thing to do. Thank you. But, and, and it is, it is a lot like having children because we don't raise them. We don't raise children, little people so that we can keep them all to ourselves. We have, Oh to, my gosh, no, we have to the world have it. And I used to tell my kids all the time. It's my job to facilitate independence so that you feel like you want to go mm -hmm. and that you are a productive member of your community when you get there. And then you do it successfully. And then they leave and you're just like, oh, I know. No, come back. My oldest kiddo moved uh, provinces away. So that was a, there was a big, that was a big leap. And he's just creating this magical life for himself right now. He's so in a flow. It's super fun to observe and witness. And, and you must see that too, though, when you're doing workshops and those aha moments click for people. Like when you <sighs> actually observe, like you can physically and, you know, feel it emotionally that they've just had a moment, a catharsis and understanding mm -hmm. my favorite, favorite. Well, I have a lot of different favorite pieces of workshops and classes. Um, but please share when I see, especially if I've got beginners in the class and there's a certain point when I send them off to do their readings, their partner readings, and they're partnered up and reading for each other. And the room is full of excitement and energy and chatter. And you just see everybody's like in it. It is like, Oh my God, it's the great, for me, it's the greatest feeling. And then I do twice a year, I teach at uh, the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health up in the Berkshires, um, a yoga and tarot retreat with Allison DeNicola, who creates Oracle decks for uh, US games. And so we have a lot of yoga in that. And when I see everyone lying in Shavasana, you know, I see all of those vulnerable bodies mm. completely released and let and let go. I just, I feel like I'm in a NICU unit. I just think of like these beautiful like humans in, I just, I can't, it's such a special, it's a special space to be in. I love that. What's your favorite part of a class? It, it is watching those aha moments, especially when someone says, you know, I'm, uh, I'm as creative as a stump or, you know, I don't, I can never hear my intuitive voice and you show them how to lean into that. And they have that moment. It's, it's magical to be a part of that. It's, um, it's such an honor. And I always, and that's how I tend to phrase it, you know, thank you for allowing me to be a part of your journey because yeah. you know they're they're allowing us to be part of that and and that's a gift it really is it really is and if and you know when any of us think of like the teachers whose voices we still hear in the back mm -hmm. of our our head or the people that have like literally opened up worlds for us um yeah yeah it is it's amazing we're really fortunate to do what we do 100 and and i encourage people to like uh, to understand that we're 
I, I shouldn't speak for you. I know I'm learning from them too. Yes. You can speak for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I'm learning from them too, that, you know, as a, I'm still learning as a human being and, and in, in being magical and in my mediumship, it's, it's still all ever growing. I don't mm-hmm. ever feel like I'm at a standstill and, and for people to, to be okay to outgrow their teachers too. And, yeah. um, and that's okay. Like the, the hope is, you know, that those people who start off as students can see themselves as um, an acquaintance or a colleague and, and they don't feel like they're a student anymore. They can see that they're just walking along beside us, right? Yes, yes. And that, and that is so exciting. And that's part and parcel of the Hierophant card, right? Which is the teacher and the student and the fluidity with, within which those two spaces um, merge. And I think that if it's not a fluid relationship, then it's not necessarily a good one. Do you know? Yeah, I agree. I think it's important it's to control wisely. Yeah, yeah. It, there's a control. So you have, um, which I didn't mention earlier, I'm really sorry, that you have a beautiful list of, of, of um, offerings for people. So it was a 360 days of um, spreads and a 360 days of spells. Yes. You, can you talk about those too? Sure. Yes. Yes. So um, I, like many other tarotists, love pulling cards. Um, and Sometimes I run out of questions. And so whenever in my regular life, I'd be like, oh, I want to play with my cards, but I don't really have a question. I would reach for a tarot spread book and look for some predetermined spreads to to cast. And I thought one day, wouldn't it be interesting? I wonder if anyone has ever created a book of like a tarot spread for every single day of the year. And when I looked it up, I couldn't believe it. It didn't exist. (gasps) So I was like, Somebody up there in your team decided to plop that question into your thoughts. Right? Yes. So I was like, oh, my God. And so I, I sold the proposal for it to Llewellyn. And then it was this really fun journey of how to do it, like how to not just ran, how to be able to 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 create spreads that would reach the enormity of the human condition. So anybody could find a spread in there that would be useful to them. But how could I make it like uh, reasonable for every day? And so it was just a really fun, I, I grounded every single spread in an esoteric or interesting fact in history of something that had happened on that day. Um, yeah. And so that's a lot of research. It was so much. I had so much fun researching. I love to, I, I geek out on research big time, I have to say. I really do love to research. And I love the places that research winds up granting me access to, like special collections in the New York public. Oh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of collections, museum collections that unless you're a scholar or an author researching something, you will not be granted access to. So I've been able to hold Bram Stoker's personal oh. letters in my hand. I've been able to look at W.B. Yeats's um, uh, pamphlets that he wrote for the Golden Dawn. And, you wow. know, the, the, the librarians would bring it out and like put it on velvet in front of me, you know. Uh, so... So I love to research. Yeah. And I just, I, 
I, I love to fill a void. I love to create something that hasn't been done before. And so when I finished the spread book, I was like, oh, well, now I have to do this with spells because there should be. Yeah. And they really do go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And tarot spells are really easy spells to cast, you know, because tarot cards are visual. And I think that for most people, myself certainly included, there's a reason that vision boards work. Mm -hmm. um, there's a reason that everybody should have something magical on their their cell phone homepage that they want to manifest because you're looking at that like so many times throughout the day. Um, but tarot spells are really easy, fun, and simple and concise to cast. So yeah, that was fun to write that book. And then it's great because when I'm writing a tarot or a magical book, I'm also doing the magic as I'm like writing the book. So yeah. it's like really, uh, I'm very fortunate. And, and then... But you can feel that if you are, if there is a person who is energetically sensitive, whether they want to say that they're empathic or, you know, that they're, that they're sensitive, you can feel that, you know, when I've received books in the mail from authors, cause I used to have um, a radio show a really long time ago for parenting kids who were intuitive because mm. I had these intuitive kiddos as well too. Right. So I really wanted to fill that void um, in, in creating that, that community. So, you know, when people would send books, I could tell when I was receiving a book from somebody who did, um, energetic healing or was magical in some way, because they put that intent on it. It's almost like you could feel it humming when it's coming out. Now you don't get to do that with your books, but you can feel that hum with the words. And with the images, you can feel that you've been putting that into it, even though you haven't touched each one individually. And I have to tell you, it's so interesting because when I can, I can recognize novels that I'm going to love by, for lack of a better word, by the way that they hum, I will know yeah. from the very, just glancing at the first and not even reading the paragraph or maybe one paragraph in, and you can just oh, this is, this is, it's, it's attuned to exactly what's going to be magical and fantastic for me. Yeah. And yes. And sometimes that, that hum, we don't know if it, it's, you know, validating, inspiring us moving forward. There's just something that is right in the flow for us in alignment in that moment, whatever it may be. And, and, and this is the important thing I think about being mindful, being rooted in the present moment, being in touch with your intuition and your psychic facilities is that the world will start to glimmer for you. Um, it will start to glitter and glimmer in the same way. If I'm reading a tarot spread, I know which cards inevitably are kind of leaping out to me that I want to feel. That's what happens. They go 3D. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you feel that way too. In my head, when I close my eyes, even if I'm doing a reading in a crowd of people, I'll close my eyes and that's what happens. I can still see all the people in the room and then their dead folks behind them pop out at me like 3D. And I'm like, oh, okay, we'll do you next. <laughs> Away we go. <laughs> awesome. 3D. Um, that's so, but yeah, for me, it's like, um, those books, you know, where, where those books that were popular like 15, 20 years ago, they were like the 3D, you'd look at the crazy illustration and kind of fuzz your eyes and suddenly yeah. it would become 3D. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's how the tarot spreads are. But, and it's not like that in regular everyday life when I'm moving through a day, but I can tell 
when there's something I need to pay attention to, even if it's as insignificant of where I should go to lunch that day or what I should pick out at the supermarket or where, which street to walk down or which kind of, I don't know. It, it, it's this, when, when you're honing in on your intuitive, magical self, it feeds, it flows into everything you do in your life. And it really will guide you into these crazy, right, synchronistic places, into the places that you're meant to be. Mm-hmm. And if you have an intention behind that, then that just solidifies more of what what shows up and sparkles for you. So the trick for all of us is is learning what that looks like to us and then how to follow it through your day. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's strong. Other times it slips away. You know, it's not like it's a constant chugging of like glimmers Mm. constantly seeing, but we can all feel that for ourselves. And I think it's, it's, it's really exciting when we can, it's really the universe, the world energy speaking to us. And feeling okay that, um, the people around us may not be in that same place. So Mm -hmm. we can honor where they are at and on their journey and we don't have to push ours onto, onto them and finding the right way to, to buffer um, what may be coming if it's negative from somebody that's around us as well too. They don't have to understand it. Mm-mm. They just Mm-mm. have to, you know, be in their lane. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We should, I don't think that, I mean, whether it's your movie opinions or your spiritual relationship to the world, right? You shouldn't be forcing anything down somebody's throats um, or insisting that they they do the same thing. Like because everybody's unique and individual and has to find what works what works for them. Mm-hmm. Do you? Mm-hmm. Um, I I have a mentoring like an intuitive mentoring group. I know uh, there's been a few people that have, have commented that are, that are a part of that. And I had somebody ask that question in the group. Can you suggest um, the right tarot deck to start with? And I'm, so my question to you would be, if someone is seeking, how do you guide them when they are beginning to explore? So the most, it's such a great question. The most important thing for a, a beginning reader that I, uh, I, I usually actually would suggest two decks. One um, would be the deck that you think is the most beautiful, incredible, beguiling thing. Tarot is a lot and you're going to want to work with it on the regular, right? It, it, you know, in, in the best case scenario, a little bit every day. Uh, so you start to gain knowledge and understanding and facility with it. So you're going to want a deck that keeps bringing you back over and over like, that you can't stop looking at. For me, that was the Halloween Tarot by Kipling West. I love that deck. I could look, I still do, could look at those images forever. And so that was really, but I also think that um, beyond intuitive reading, I think esoteric history is really important. And so for my money for our, and from, from my schooling, from where I went to school, I, I studied with the tarot school in New York City for years and years. Um, and they're writer Waite Smith based. Um, and so I highly suggest that people also pick up a writer Waite Smith tarot deck as well, um, because there's so much intentional um, imagery that 
it helps in your understanding of, of the cards, of um, a lot of magical theory um, and symbolism. That's just really, really super important. I mean, if you if you want to get and you don't have to, you know, maybe you just want to read with your favorite deck and maybe it's an energetic deck like the Wild Unknown, which has no esoteric anything really in it. It's more right. of an energy deck. And that's great. Um, but for someone who really wants to get into tarot, yeah, two decks, like one Rider Waite or maybe an, an older like Marseille deck that has some. Right. The graphic energy in it. And then a deck that you just can't stop kissing. <laughs> and you just it's true. Like if you want to touch it, you are going to spend time with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think it's fun too. I think it's a very because tarot is a very unique relationship. And it's one that hopefully will be with you, you know, throughout the course of most of your life, if not the rest of your life. Um, it's really fun to be active and do take your cards with you out into the world. Um, take them to if you're visiting, say, a museum, you pull a card on, on a message from the statue that you're looking at. Um, if you're going to, say, Washington Irving's birthplace in the Hudson Valley, as an example, pull a card on his front doorstep to find the message of a place. Bring your cards to a graveyard. Speak to the dead. Create rituals for yourself and the cards. I used to have a disco ball in my living room and my favorite thing to do would like it, light the disco ball and a candle and then spread my cards around me in a circle and I would reorder the cards and it was like this huge, so all of like, like take the cards off your table, take all of your magic like out into the world and just do crazy wild things with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the difference between tarot and oracle. Oh, so the different, there's a very specific difference between a tarot and an oracle deck. So tarot decks are, uh, the structure of a tarot deck never changes. There's always 78 cards and it's always differentiated between the major arcana and the minor arcana. And there's always a suit. There's always 16 court cards, which would be the kings, queens, pages, and knights. Now, an oracle deck can be any number of cards, and so oracle decks have no structure. The reason the structure of tarot is so important is that it aligns with a million magical, um, magical uh, uh, systems. So you can, astrology can be placed on top of the tarot, uh, mystical Kabbalah, Hebraic Kabbalah, Christian Kabbalah, uh, Freemasonry. There's um, so many, the structure of tarot is so concise that it also becomes um, a unifying device for all of these other systems that can then be ingrained into your tarot practice, if you choose, um, and, and can be used to deepen your understanding of the cards. Um, and it's a matter of sacred geometry. You know, I don't know that it was ever really, that was meant it was meant to be that way, but um, I think that, it, I, I mean, I don't know. Nobody knows where tarot came from and why its structure is specifically the way that it is. So tarot is specific and oracle cards can just be anything. Yeah. And that was um, my understanding, but I really have never been taking a class to understand tarot. That's totally been just um, an independent self journey uh, discovery, yeah. right but that's how I've always felt it that oracle was like that quick surface 
sort of response where where terror was a relationship that really needed to be built and mm-hmm. it was something to dig deep in and it is like the long haul okay. <laughs> we're going to work at it together for the long haul yeah yeah, because the thing is, and and that's not to say you can't have an intense connection to an oracle deck. Yeah, totally, for sure. Of course you can, and but but I think that with the tarot, you guaranteed have a massive library of historical magical resources that you can dive into when going deeper into tarot, where that wouldn't exist necessarily, not in every oracle deck. Um, and but the other thing that people should remember is that it's great fun too to mix tarot and oracle. I know a lot of people, and actually, you know, it's, it's a lot of people I know, myself included, will pull an oracle card maybe as a last word for a tarot reading. When you do get into tarot reading for friends and family, sometimes it's really important to have a great way to end the reading. Um, right. Some people want to sit with you for two hours and maybe you're tired. So <laughs> you can always, you know, here's, let's, let's pull out f- last word from my, you know, tarot, our Oracle of the so Divine fun. Feathers. Um, yeah. So you can combine the two as well. That's fun. And I've actually never heard anybody say that before. Oh, like to combine the two. It always just felt so very, it needed to be very separate. That whole like rigid sort of practice and rigid thinking. I've never heard anybody say mix it up that way. I mean, I, I would, but I haven't. Now I will. <laughs> Cause I, I actually, I'm kind of shocked that I haven't cause I'm such a squirrel on Red Bull. I'm like, why not? <laughs> or you could pull at the beginning, you know, let it yeah. set the Oracle deck, set the context, set the house that you're going to be reading. Yeah. And being okay that it's because I have so many different decks for different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would loved the show Penny Dreadful. When Penny Dreadful was out, I was so drawn to it. And I'm like, oh yeah, they have Penny Dreadful cards. I'm getting Penny Dreadful cards <laughs> because look, they were the exact cards that, you know, she was using in that show. There was just such a fun connection to it. And that serial killer deck, which don't judge, but no, I, please. I did tarot of the haunted house. I'm not. Yes. I know they're brilliant too, but it's dark. So like dark is not. Yeah. So you have a serial killer tarot deck. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Etsy is such a great place to find those independent, you know, makers and, and artisans for that sort of stuff. Right. And, and what was interesting for me too, in, um, giving yourself permission to go outside of what you normally are drawn to. Like I'm normally like part of what really drew me to, um, uh, um, the dark wood tarot was the imagery. Mm-hmm. Like the imagery really just pulled, pulled me in. But when I'm, when I'm doing readings for people, um, it's a black and white deck that I tend to is the most used best love and it's so opposite to me I love color and in my face and it's the opposite so being okay to explore outside of your comfort zone uh, with decks is is important too really important because you're going to come across things that'll surprise you right yeah. And, and and yeah like yeah. and it's just it, yeah to the the that point of like evolving and evolution it's 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 good to keep your practices fresh by in by trying new tools, by trying mm. new tools. Yeah, for sure. So 
do you have workshops coming up? Where can people find you? What's next on your event list calendar? What is next? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. October, right? It's usually pretty packed. So anybody who's interested in, in my books or decks or events or classes can find everything at sashagram.com. Um, sashagram.com. Yeah, I have an event page, a classes page, a books page, decks page. So you can find everything there. Um, on Instagram, I'm Sasha Tarot Diva. And I think on Facebook, I'm just Sasha Graham One. Um, I'm pretty Googleable. Um, and I have a lot of photos out there, I guess, on the on the interweb. So I'm pretty easy to find if you just Google Sasha Graham Tarot. I'll come up somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, in terms the of Tarot Diva, the Tarot Diva, right? That was the name of my first book, and I'm just yeah. like I'm just keeping it's, it. And you should, just as I do, Queenie. It's it's a it's a label, Queenie. I love you. Know, you look like a Queenie. You look like I just see the crown. <laughs> it fits if the crown fits. Wow. Um, but I think coming up, what do I have coming up? Um, I do events and live events in Brooklyn for anybody in the tri-state area. I do ghost stories by the fire once a month generally and um, a psychic and paranormal night where I fill oh, this courtyard with all of my friends who are psychics and mediums and intuitives. You can come get a reading. Um, so that's also in Brooklyn at Industry City in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Um, I, oh, I, you know, I'm doing something online for anybody. And this is actually a big, it's called The Wave divination event in October. I think there's something like 30 or 50 tarot speakers, myself, Mary Greer, um, Raina George, like it's, it's, it's a massive, massive event. Um, so that's wave. That's, uh, I believe the world divination, something or other. Anyway, that's on my Facebook and on, it should be on my event page. Actually, maybe I have to look and make sure it's there. Right. <laughs> it's, it's the updating the, yeah, all the time too. Um, but so, so that's online. So anybody out there could yeah, do that. Brilliant. And if if people are just interested in learning tarot and combining tarot and magic, my book. Actually, I'm going to be so schlocky, but no, please do. But my book, The Magic of Tarot, is almost in a way better than even taking a class with me because I lead you through a lot of writing prompts where you're discovering what the card means to you. Um, and it just kind of covers all of the basics from shadow work to magic and tarot. So, yeah, anybody who's interested, I would say pick up a copy of Magic of Tarot. I think you'll be happy that you did. I, I'm sure that they will. It, because It's just, again, you can feel the intention that you have in really wanting to support people and making it um, less intimidating. Yeah, yeah, because it's so fun. It's so yeah. fun. Yeah. So thank you. I'm, I'm really grateful that you came on today. I hope that I can have you back sometime. That would be wonderful to continue the conversation. Thank There's you. always so much to talk about. Yeah. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, yeah, you're welcome. It was I'm a really pleasure. Excited. And I'm turning ghost stories by the fire into a podcast. So maybe you will oh, agree to be my guest. I would love that. I would love that. What do you have a date when that's starting or this is something in the works? It's in the works right now. Yeah. Oh, so I'm going to be reaching I'm, potential guests to come on. And I assume you have many ghost stories. <laughs> a few. Yeah, just a few. Just a handful. I have a handful. Yeah, that's fabulous. I'm going to really look forward to that. I hope that it is wildly successful for you. Thank you.
So thank you everybody that was here and, and commenting and asking questions. A big shout out to the United Public Radio Network and the UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7. Next week on Spirit Switchboard, we are having Rachel Nordahl coming on to talk about Awakening Your Intuition, the book that she has just released and helping support you on your intuitive journey. So thank you very much, everybody. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.